0: Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Good morning, Valley Point Church. It is great to see you. And I wanna thank you for being here today. It is truly a joy to share this time together. And welcome officially to summer. It launched on Friday, so let the fun begin, right? Speaking of fun, I want to remind you of just a couple of things. First, Vacation Bible School begins tomorrow and runs from Monday through Friday. We're going to welcome all kinds of kids and their families into our church. You probably notice that the church is being transformed already a little bit. That transformation will continue into this afternoon, and it'll look like a whole different place by the time kids arrive tomorrow. I can tell you this. Kids are going to have a very memorable week. They're just going to have a lot of fun. And so I want to invite you to join me in praying for Vacation Bible School throughout the week. Even if you don't have a child coming or a grandchild, even if you're not volunteering, which we have a lot of people who are going to do that throughout the week, even if you are not involved, as you think about it, and as God brings it to your attention, please be in prayer for Vacation Bible School. We want the truth of Jesus to be shared with as many as possible, and we want to give kids the opportunity to step into A forever friendship with Jesus, if they've never done that before, that is what happens here this week. So, please, as you think about it, and as God brings it to your mind, let's be praying for Vacation Bible School, a really fun part of our summer here at Valley Point. And then next Sunday, we're going to be continuing with our theme of Reclaiming Sacred Words, But in each gathering, we're going to do this. We're going to be serving communion. And that's always a very special time for us as a church where we get the chance to pause and reflect and Eucharistio, give thanks to God for the incredible sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. That's going to take place next Sunday. And then after each gathering, Out on the patio area, we're going to be serving pretzels and water ice. So lunch is taken care of next Sunday, right? I hope that you can be here. I think it's going to be a really good day for us. So be in prayer for VBS and then join me next Sunday as we serve communion, continue teaching about sacred words, and celebrate with some pretzels and water ice, okay? Does that sound all right? Wonderful. I want to invite you now, before we dive into our content, just to take a few moments, let's quiet our hearts and our minds. Let's pray. Ask God to bless us today. Teach us something, as well as a prayer time for Vacation Bible School. Father, we step into your presence on this Sunday And we are really excited about this coming week. It's going to be a lot of activity here on our campus. We're going to welcome a lot of kids and their families. And they're going to enter into the building and just have fun with this vacation Bible school week. God, beyond that, though, we really want these kids to know that there is a God who loves them. And sent his son Jesus to die for them. And by trusting in him alone, they can have a forever friendship with you. What an incredible thought. God, we want that truth just to come out of here all week long. And so we pray for this week. We pray that it would be fun I pray for all of the volunteers that you would keep them energized day after day to return just to serve kids and enjoy time with them. God, ultimately, we want you to be honored with everything that happens this week, and so we ask for that as well. God, we give this week to you and ask that you work in every possible way. God, thank you for the time we have to look into your word now, We're gonna look at something and talk about a concept that is complex and often very confusing. And so I pray that you'd give us minds to listen and that you would just speak into our hearts whatever it is that we need to hear today. God, I pray that we would walk out of here and just a little bit amazed, maybe even overwhelmed, that you are a God who is above us and really beyond our understanding. Well, we try to get you, and we're going to do that today, but ultimately, you're beyond our comprehension as humans, and that's okay. That's okay, because this is where we have the opportunity to exercise faith. So, God, just speak to us today. Give us a wonderful time as we consider what you have for us. We ask all of this now in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in our summer theme called Reclaiming Sacred Words. And what we're doing is simple, really. We're looking at old words that have probably lost a bit of relevance in our modern world. And we're seeking to reframe these glorious, beautiful, sacred words into something that makes sense for us today. And along the way, it is our goal that these words would deepen our friendship with God and deepen our friendship with each other. That's the plan with reclaiming sacred words. Our word for today is Trinity, which comes from the study of theology proper or the doctrine of God. So today uniquely is a conversation about God himself and who is he and How does he function? Now, I will say this. Talking about the Trinity is very difficult. It's very difficult. It is complex. Honestly, it seems kind of strange when you talk about it. And often it doesn't make a lot of sense, at least in our human minds. And I will confess to you that I really have no idea how to describe the Trinity. Sounds great, right? Aren't you glad you came today? You get to watch a train wreck. Well, actually, I hope to make some sense of this complex issue. And so we'll walk through this together. And I know you'll give me feedback on whether it made sense or not. So I'm going to do my very best. Again, a very difficult, a very Complex and something that sounds a little strange. So, the Trinity God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, yet three persons. There's oneness, yet there is threeness. One God, yet three persons God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, they always work in conjunction with each other and they always agree. One God, yet three persons. Oneness, yet threeness. This really isn't a subject that has a lot of humor attached to it, but I think this particular picture is kind of funny. Hey God, it's me, you, the Holy Spirit says hi also that's as funny as we get today okay so please feel free to laugh church humor can be a little bit odd but this is as funny as we get and sometimes you look at that or when you think of the concept of the Trinity one God yet three persons it's almost like God has an identity problem like who do I want to be today Do I want to be the Father, do I want to be the Son, or do I want to be the Holy Spirit? And what we understand theologically of this concept is it doesn't work that way. Again, there is oneness, yet there is threeness. I want to do my best to bring some clarity to this complex issue, and I hope that that happens as we walk through this. So that's the plan, okay? J.I. Packer considered by many to be one of the most important theologians of the late 20th century, asks an imperative question. And here's the question. Why pursue knowing God? (laughs) Why bother with knowing God? He is above us. He is beyond us. We don't always know how to describe him and what does God actually do all day long. Why bother getting to know God? And I think this is a great thought to consider because we're talking about the Trinity. So this is a conversation about God. So why bother getting to know God? And perhaps this is a question that you have asked at different times in your life as well. Right? I'm busy. I have a life. I have bills to pay. Perhaps you have a family You may have a career and you're just trying to manage all of this stuff. Why bother getting to know God? Because it often seems like a very daunting task. Like, how do you ever actually get there? So why bother getting to know God? This is what J.I. Packer asks. And he phrases it this way. How can we turn our knowledge about God into knowledge of God? This is a great question for all of us to wrestle with today. How do we take our knowledge about God? Because we're going to get some of that here. But how do we take knowledge about God and turn it into knowledge of God? The rule for doing this is demanding but simple. It is that we turn to each truth that we learn about God into matter for meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise to God. So basically, we do all of this. We think about God. We study God, even though he is above us and beyond us, because here's what happens along the way. Our hearts begin to turn toward him, which, as J.I. Packer posits, leads to meditation and then prayer and then ultimately worship. So we wrestle with understanding God even though we can't ultimately know everything on this side of heaven. We wrestle with this because it moves our hearts in his direction, leads to meditation and prayer and then worship or responding to the greatness of God and that's what we want this word Trinity to do. It's complex, it is, but boy, does it cause us to step back and say, wow, (laughs) only God. Only God, which, again, I think leads to an exercise of faith, which is a great thing for us. Okay, here's our big idea for today, and I would encourage you to take out your talk notes, find a pen, and let's walk through this together. Thinking about the Trinity causes us to bow in reverence to God's greatness, And this is what our goal is today. We want to think about the Trinity because it will cause us to bow in reverence to God's greatness. Again, we want to turn knowledge about God into knowledge of God, which leads to prayer and meditation and eventually responding to the greatness of God. Now, the word Trinity, here's what I hope to do. I want to define it, and we'll share that definition in just a moment. And then I have some thinking points related to the Trinity that I think will begin to frame this a little bit for us and hopefully make some sense of something that sounds strange, oneness yet threeness, yet always working together. That doesn't make any sense at all. But I believe our thinking points will help lend some stability to this. And then we're going to look to Scripture where we find the Trinity in motion and we see it in action. And I think that will be very inspirational and encouraging to you. And then we'll end with some helpful takeaways. All right, that's the path for today. We're going to define the word Trinity. We're going to share some thinking points that support it. Then we're going to look to scripture and we'll land with some helpful takeaways. Here's our definition, the Christian understanding of God as triune one yet three trinity means that the one divine nature so one god one divine nature but he is a unity of three persons and that god is revealed in three distinct persons father son and holy spirit that's the working definition of the trinity one god Yet we see him displayed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So oneness, one God, that's a true statement, but three persons, that's also a true statement. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's get into some thinking points here. Number one, Trinity is not a word used in Scripture, And as we study this, it's really important for us to know, you will not find the word Trinity in the Bible. And some critics of this particular doctrine will point to that and say, you know, (laughs) that word is not found in the Bible, so I'm not so sure it's actually real. You know, there's Jesus because he came and lived, but I don't know about the Holy Spirit. He's kind of weird and the Father, I'm just not so sure. This is not a word found in the Bible, so it may not actually be true. Well, here's what's kind of interesting about that. There are many biblical concepts that people have believed over the years that do not have a word in the Bible that describes it. But yet, the concept, as revealed to us in the sacred text, is real and truthful. Here are some examples. The word Bible (laughs) is not found in the Bible. But yet we believe the Bible to be the words of God breathed out for us. And this sacred text was not only spoken a long time ago, but it is living and active and has the ability to help us know right, get right, stay right, and do right. That's the word of God. So we believe it to be true, even though the word Bible is not found in the Bible itself likewise the word omniscience which means all-knowing and omnipotent which means all-powerful and omnipresent which means everywhere present these are characteristics that we attach to God God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere present. We believe this to be true because when you walk through the corpus of Scripture, you see it over and over and over again. Oh, there it is. God is all-knowing, yes. God is all-powerful. Nobody's bigger or stronger or better than God. You don't see that anywhere. And God is everywhere present. His eyes are upon us all of the time. But yet, these words, omniscience, omnipotent, and omnipresent, are not found in the Bible. But yet, we know them to be true because we see those descriptions. Think about this the word atheism or atheist, referring to someone who does not believe in God, is not a word found in the Bible. But yet, the Bible talks quite a bit about people who do not believe in God. So we don't have to see a specific word in the Bible for the concept it describes to be accurate. And I think that's what we have with the word Trinity. It's important to know, though, as we walk through this and as we study this word, it is not found in the Bible, but that doesn't mean the Bible does not teach the concept. It does. And in a few moments, we're going to get to some passages that clearly reveal God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Threeness, yet oneness. That's the first thinking point. The word Trinity not found in the Bible. So how did the Trinity then get established and taught? Well, here's thinking point number two, and that is we owe a lot to the Council of Constantinople in AD 381, a long time ago. To this council, we owe the expression of the orthodox view of the trinity. The council of Constantinople in 381 AD. Picture a bunch of religious people sitting around long tables with really odd robes and tall hats. And here's an artist rendering. It may have looked something like that. That looks like a fun time, doesn't it? (laughs) Not really, it looks awfully boring, but yet the... Council of Constantinople, really important in terms of how we view Scripture and our orthodox expression of the Trinity. Here's what happened in 381. There were a few councils before this where they couldn't exactly come to terms and find agreement on the teaching of the Trinity, one God, yet three persons. During the Council of the Constantinople, they argued They debated, no doubt somebody threw their hat at some point and veins were popping as they talked to each other. But they worked it all out. And they came to an agreement. There was unity on one God, yet three persons. Oneness, yet threeness. And so that council in 381 A.D. was a really important time. I think explaining this is challenging and difficult, and I can see some of the puzzling looks on your faces. It is a difficult thing to describe. So I thought it would be best to consider what are the essential elements of the Trinity? If you're thinking about this and Here it is, there's one God, yet he's three persons. What are the actual essential elements that stand underneath that to support it? And so I want to share with you six essential elements, and I believe you'll find this to be very helpful. So here we go. God is one. No doubt about that. God does not have a personality problem at all. He is one. Yet each of the persons within the Godhead is deity. So it's not like God the Father, because he's the Father, has a little more deity than the Son, but after all, the Son gave up his life to pay for our sins. So maybe he has a little more deity because he's got more skin in the game than the Holy Spirit. No, not the case. Each of the persons within the Godhead is full deity. The oneness of God and the threeness of God are not contradictory. (laughs) which I think is a really funny statement because it sounds awfully contradictory to me, but they're really not as we see it described in Scripture. How about this? The Trinity is eternal, meaning it has always been. It has always been. It's not like God the Father and God the Holy Spirit were hanging around up in heaven one day and said, hey, you know, this Jesus person's been born and wow he's really growing into a great guy isn't he? he's healing people and maybe we should have him pay for the sins of the world so we don't have to do that and then when he's done we can bring him up to heaven and he can join our little group here no the trinity is eternal it has always existed oneness and threeness god one but yet god the father god the son and god the holy spirit they didn't invent each other each of the persons of god is of the same essence And is not inferior or superior to others in essence. Again, there's not a ranking order. And how about this? (laughs) The Trinity is a mystery. Which we will never be able to fully understand. So there's the good news. And give yourself permission to relax a little bit. Because in trying to understand this, again, our minds swirl a little bit. It doesn't always make sense. It's a bit strange and odd. I think it is a mystery which we will never fully understand this side of heaven. And that's okay. That's okay. Because if we could fully understand and know God and describe him, well, that might be a bit of a problem for us. So it's okay that this is a mystery and we can't understand it all because this is where we have the opportunity now to exercise a little bit of faith and to trust And believe, even when it doesn't always make sense to us, and that's a great thing. That's a great thing for us. Okay, where do we see the Trinity in Scripture? I want to share four different passages with you. We're going to begin with Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit. This is actually the Trinitarian baptismal formula. By the way, this is kind of fascinating because these are the words of Jesus. Part of the Godhead. And he's saying, okay, my work is done. I've paid for sins. I have resurrected. And now I'm about to ascend and go back to heaven because my work is complete. But here's what I want my followers to do. You now go and make disciples, make Jesus followers. And as you do that, baptize them in the name of the Father, oh, that's me, the Son, well, that's me too, and the Holy Spirit, oh, well, that's me. So there's a lot happening here. You kind of have Jesus affirming the Trinity, and we could spend a lot of time on that. We're not going to do that today. Just know these are the words of Jesus, and he himself is affirming the Trinity, and you see it displayed right here. I would encourage you to go back and look at these passages when we're done and circle the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit just so that you can see this activity in Scripture. It's so rich. And what you'll see as we walk through these other passages is they're not always listed in that kind of order. And we'll notice that in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Ephesians chapter four, verse four. Again, Paul, the apostle is writing here and he says, for there is one body and one spirit just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all, in all and living through all. (laughs) There's a lot of ones there and a lot of alls in this particular passage. Verse 7, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Again, the Trinity on display for us. And finally, the words of Jude in verse 20 and 21, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. That's what Jude was challenging them to do. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. In a unique way, and I think this is kind of fascinating. The Father, the Son, and the spirit practice hospitality with each other. They make room and space for each other. And in that room and in that space, they allow each other to flourish. And I think that's how you define hospitality. It's when we make room and space for each other and we encourage each other to flourish in that room and space. And we have a beautiful picture of that with the Trinity, one God, yet God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they are making room and space for each other to accomplish what they need to accomplish, and they encourage each other to flourish in that room and in that space. Mysterious, (laughs) really mysterious, yet beautiful at the same time. Let me share some takeaways with you a way we can practically think about the Trinity and live some of this out in our daily lives. Number one, it's okay to not fully understand the Trinity. So give yourselves a break, take a deep breath. It is okay to not fully understand this. It is a mystery beyond our human comprehension. By the way, I think there are other things that we don't always understand, but yet we have to live with in our lives. Taxes. Does anybody really understand them? You know, maybe a tax attorney or an accountant or a bookkeeper, but does anybody really understand taxes? And can anybody really explain them in a way that makes any sense at all? If you have... College students, FAFSA. Does anybody understand that? By the way, FAFSA, if you have to fill that out, will make you act very unchrist like And those of you who have walked through that know what I'm talking about. You have to remember a PIN number, and then they change it on you and don't tell you, and then make you feel like a complete fool while you're just trying to help your kid go to college. FAFSA, I don't think anybody understands it. But yet we have to live with this. Raising teenage children. (laughs) Does anybody really understand this? It's complex and difficult and. You just try to keep talking and hang on and you hope for the best and you pray a lot. That's how you walk through those years. So we all have to deal with things that we don't necessarily understand. And I think the Trinity fits into that. It is a mystery and that's okay. It's okay for us not to get this. Again, this is where we have the opportunity to exercise that faith muscle. And I know this can be really difficult for some people because we like to explain and we like to line things up in a logical way. And this doesn't really fit into that category. And that's what puts God above and beyond us. He is a mystery that we cannot understand. So we exercise faith a little bit and grow that muscle. And that's a great thing. Second takeaway study. You do your own study, you read as much as you can about the Trinity. And I think you'll find it coming to life for you. By the way, I just want to share this. Whenever we open up the word of God here on Sunday, which we've done today and we've walked through a few different passages, and whenever you do that on your own, and I hope Monday through Saturday you are doing that and you're feeding yourself spiritually beyond what you receive here on Sunday. But whenever we open up the Bible, it is more than just me and text Okay, it's more than just me and this book that is glorious and confusing and perplexing and inspiring all at once. It's more than just me and some words. With the Bible, think about this now, every time we open it and every time you do it on your own, we are coming in the power of Christ under the authority of the Holy Spirit to understand the words of the Father. And so uniquely, every time we open up this book, the Trinity is in action in Christ through the authority of the Holy Spirit who's helping us understand and he's illuminating scripture and that's part of his distinct role and person, understanding the words of the Father. These words are active and living and have something to say to us. So every time we open up the word, it's not just these words and these chapters and these thoughts, it's through Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Understanding the words of the Father. It's an extraordinary thing that happens when we open up the word of God. The Trinity works. It works. Beyond that, I would encourage you to study and read other things. And I actually put a packet together that you can pick up at just for you today. You can read all kinds of different things. There's charts there about the Council of Nicaea, which preceded the Council of Constantinople, and that's where they struggled with some things. And then, In Constantinople, they were able to figure that out and come to some good conclusions. You can read about Arianism and Modelism and all kinds of different things. It's all there. So if that intrigues you or interests you about the Trinity and wrestling with this, you can pick up those charts, and I think you'll enjoy that. Studying this is a great exercise. And let's remember, we don't want to just know about God. We want to turn that into knowledge of God, which... (laughs) leads to prayer and meditation and responding to the greatness of God. One more takeaway. Allow this ancient word to turn your heart to the greatness of God. I think it has to do that because again, it's perplexing and it's deep. So we have to allow this ancient word to turn our hearts to the greatness of God and this is where we get the opportunity then to praise him and worship him. Back to the big idea. Thinking about the Trinity causes us to bow in reverence to God's greatness. I think that's what it does, which is beautiful. In just a moment, we're gonna sing a song that actually declares the words of the Trinity and how I believe in God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. These are creedal words that the church has proclaimed through the years. And and we're gonna do that today. And I would encourage you to sing this or listen to these words, but claim them as your own and allow them to drive you to responding to the greatness of God. Father, we're thankful for today and for the opportunity to talk about something that's really hard to understand and certainly difficult to describe. God, I pray that you'd take the flow of our conversation today and that it would make sense for people. And for those who have never understood anything about the Trinity before or never even heard of it, I pray that this would cause them to just be in awe of you. This great God, one, yet three. Wow. Wow. And maybe we've heard about it before, but it's been a long time, God, since we've considered the Trinity and how to describe God this way. God, may we be moved that every time we open up the word of God, we come in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to hear the words of the Father. He's at work. He's at work. So, Bless us now as we sing some ancient creedal words and as we declare that we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is three in one. Help us to be in awe of you and to not just gather knowledge about you, but to have this drive us to prayer and meditation and just praising you for who you are. We ask this now in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.